This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. What we anticipated to be a heavyweight fight turned into a coronation for Spain's fourth Masters champion, John Rahm, wins by four. And despite picking John Rahm to win the Masters, Nick cannot be with us today to gloat and celebrate. He is doing Easter celebrations with his family right now, joining us, pinch hitting. We talk about him probably too much on this podcast, our dear friend, Brian Romy. Romy, how do you feel about us talking about you so much on this podcast? As long as it's not always accusing me of sandbagging or something like that, I'm pretty happy. (laughs) (laughs) But no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. No, very excited that you're pinch hitting. Let's start with Rom. He is the champion. He dominated on Sunday. We'll, of course, get to Phil. We'll get to Brooks. We'll get to Sam Bennett, Tiger, Rory, a tree falling, all of it. But John Rahm, the first European player to ever win the U.S. Open and the Masters. I was a little surprised by that stat, but he's getting into some pretty lofty territory. And he's still only 28. I don't want to do the thing of, like, how many majors is this guy going to win? Because we always overassign too many majors to people. But... Basically, since Brooks missed a few putts in the middle of that front nine, it looked like a foregone conclusion Rom was going to win this thing. Never a shaky moment. Yeah, Rom's too solid of a player, and he's got that nice little fade that he hits off the driver. So um, it's just he aims left down the fairway and just floats it all the way in all the time. So it's a hard hard thing to, to kind of get him knocked off his, off his rails on those. Yeah, and I mean, it seemed like every time he needed to – like just put it in the center of the green and two putt. He was able to do it. He never got himself in a crazy spot. He never flirted with the water. I thought once he hit the tee shot on 12 and he just plopped it right in the spot that you see every master's champion hit it 30 feet left of the flag, the meat of the green. I'm like, this guy's going to win. As soon as he hit that shot exactly where he needed to, I no doubt in my mind, he was going to win his second shot on 11, his second shot on 10. He got 13. He made a birdie, got up and down. He got through amen corner. So effortlessly, you could tell that he was just going to be unflappable and Brooks wasn't doing shit. So as long as Ron didn't make a big mistake, it looked like it was going to be his tournament. Did you ever think that there was like even an inkling of a moment where it wasn't his tournament once they made the turn? Um, Once it made the turn, absolutely not. I thought it was, I thought it was Rom's all the way through. And just for the guy that he bombs it like that and has such soft hands for short game, his up and down game is, it's just, he hit some amazing wedge shots. So when he started doing that and then Kepka just realized it was getting further and further and further and further away, missing, leaving putts short for birdie, rolling them just off the outside the edges. And it was just, it was more like not as Rom going to win, but how many he's going to beat him by. So, yeah. And, and, and you talk about his wedge game, the, it, he didn't need it, but his little flip wedge over the bunker on 18 to about four feet and to knock it in for par. That's a cool way to win the masters. Yeah, he, he, he does have such nice hands and, Yeah, I just I never felt as though like he was going to dump it in the water on 15 or he was going to, you know, hook one into the water on 16. He just played smart, never really putted aggressively for birdie, which I thought was interesting. He didn't make anything outside of, I think, eight feet on the back nine, Mm -hmm. but he never needed to. He just two putted his way to victory. And I think that's what something that and we'll get to Brooks in a second. But I think that that is what the problem was with Brooks, because Brooks didn't get anything going early. He started pressing and making bogeys instead of just letting the golf course come to him, knowing that he would have opportunities later. That's where I thought Brooks made his mistake. And that's where I thought Rom capitalized just by two putting his way to victory in the back nine. 
Yeah, he's the only one that actually looked like he was playing golf out there for just not leaving 20-footers, 30-footers. Like, everybody else seemed like they're getting a lot more backspin, getting the ball away from the hole, and Rom just did Rom and just hit the middle like he's supposed to. And, he, of course, having a lead is always, you know, a nice cushion to be like, hey, I can play safe but aggressive. If I hit my spot or miss a little bit, he wasn't too worried about it. The 18th tee was a little bit of a little drama in the end. I'm like, uh-oh, is he going to lose a golf ball? So... Well, yeah, you sent a, a little scared emoji text like you never want to see provisional as what someone is doing <laughs> yeah. when they're teeing off the 18th hole of the Masters with a four shot lead. All credit to him. He bombed one on what he thought was maybe his third shot. But of course, yeah. hit it short of the fairway, shot up, up and down. You make a good point with his wedges, Rome. So many people were just sucking wedges back off the green and into trouble all tournament long, really, with how wet the course was. And I thought Rom's wedge shot on 15, his third shot was great. Because even though at that point, I think it was a five-shot lead that he had over Brooks, Brooks was on the green in two. And if Brooks makes eagle and Rom makes par there, then it's a three-shot lead with three holes to go. But Rom hit a nice web shot. It just one-bounced and checked rather than one-bounced and sucked back 20 feet. So because he had such solid control over his wedges all day, he left himself in spots. Didn't make the birdie putt, but as it turned out, he didn't need to. Yeah. So Rombo wins by a million. Very excited for him. Congrats to Nick. This is the only Nick contribution that we're going to have in this episode, Romeo. You ready? He sent us this text. <laughs> sure, perfect. <laughs> Two straight Masters champs with a four putt. Scotty to close and Rom to open. <laughs> so that is That's Nick perfect. chiming in, sneaking to the bathroom on Easter dinner, sending us that text message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trying not to get yelled at. Probably set a kid down really quick for that one. So Yeah, for sure. Look, I you, you've got a child. I experienced his life for a couple of days. I now have an appreciation for him ever being able to record a podcast. It is unbelievable <laughs> that those two are juggling those little two kids over there. It's 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 pretty spectacular to be a part of for a couple of days there. You feel um, like you have to come home and uh, watch TV at the lowest setting possible because you're not used to the noise level. <laughs> well, I did. I did. Ashley, uh, Nick's wife, gave me shit because I have the uh, on, on my phone the white noise machine because, you know, they have a baby daughter. There's going to be some noise in the yeah. house. And so I travel with the white noise. So do you do you sleep with a fan on? Do you and Yana sleep with a we fan, have a fan. on? A noise yeah, we, we have yeah. like one of those air purifying ones in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, I just honestly, it, everything's too quiet. Like I can't, yes. if it's too quiet, it's like, what is going on? I don't like this. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's how Brooks Kepka felt in his head today. Oh. One thing I was thinking, man, is were you more surprised by his start or his collapse? And I can answer first if you need a minute, because I think I was, and maybe I'll feel differently as I have more time to process this, but as the collapse was happening, I was so shocked by it. Because I played golf Saturday morning when Brooks opened up a four-shot lead, and everyone on the golf course is just saying, like, there's no way Brooks is going to come back to the field. Brooks doesn't come back to the field. This is unbelievable. But Brooks shooting the 65, Brooks getting to 12 under through 36 holes, a, a guy that hasn't been you know relevant other than basically the golf world making fun of him because he's not paying attention to his model wife modeling lingerie <laughs> for him on a yeah. Netflix show. That was the most significant contribution he's had to, to golf in two years. Like I am more shocked by the start. You, you can be bummed out of your Brooks and say you should have closed it out. But ultimately the guy finished what second, third in the masters. He's going to be fine. This was a good week for him. 
Yeah. So from coming into the Masters and like I watched the Netflix and basically it was like, okay, Brooks, the way they portrayed him, he looked like a big giant head case trying to figure out his putting. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I didn't even think about him going in the Masters. And then he shows up and I'm like, whoa, like he shows up for Masters. So with him having an early or let's say late start, early start, I think I might have said that backwards, but he got done and then all the crazy weather started coming in. So it was like, okay, there's there's a pretty big cushion. I don't know what's gonna happen. It was it was kind of hard to watch the Masters this year just for the fact of like, hey, it's turned off on here. I'm watching on the app, going right. back to ESPN. Is it you know, like play suspended and not? And then I'm like, okay, what's going on? But with Kepka having that much of a lead, um, I didn't expect him to have the la- as hard as trouble as he did on the last day for his driver, and that just just didn't make him comfortable. And it's kind of one of those things too, is like Rom hits the ball far enough that he was right there with him or out driving him. And I, I know he's such an ego based guy that it's probably messed with him after a while. Not only that, he's hitting middles of greens. Next thing you know, he's three back or four back, back to two if he even makes a birdie. And then guess what? You drain this huge long putt. Rams right there. Rom's right there tapping in a 10-footer, basically, he would have felt like. So it's just it was quicksand for him. And I don't know if he really unraveled that badly. It was just more of his drivers all over the place. Yeah. And I, I thought Dottie Pepper. Yeah, Dottie, Dottie Pepper yeah. put it really well. Like he he put himself in really bad spots off the tee all day. And it's tough to be ag- aggressive when that happens. And then when you feel like you do have these one or two moments over nine holes of golf, look, Romy, I have experience missing the fairway with the driver. When you feel like you have to make a birdie, you really press a little bit too much and you try to pull off the one in a hundred shot instead of the 50, 50 shot and hit a lot of greens and make your putts. And that's what Rom did was constantly put himself in positions where he could lag to the hole. And if it goes in great, and if not, I'm making pars Brooks went something like 17 consecutive holes without making a birdie, basically Mm -hmm. from the restart this morning until I think it was 15. He didn't make a birdie because he birdied 15 and 16 on the back nine today. But you make a good point about Brooks getting the good end of the draw. And I think that was a major advantage, obviously, not to play in uh, a lot of the weather that the folks that are playing in their second round that Brooks avoided. But Immelman made a great point on the broadcast. He said someone like Rom, who did have to play in a lot of the bad weather in the second round, got a little bit of an advantage because he was used to it a little bit. And Brooks, even though he was able to pick up some strokes by not having to deal with it, could you could see a world where his head was a little bit done by it. Now, you can battle that both ways because in the start of the third round on Saturday, um, Brooks got off to a great start. He was one under through six and he'd opened up a four shot lead. Like when we started this morning, Brooks had a four shot lead, even though they had, what was it? Uh, 12 holes, 18 holes, like 30 holes left to play. Um, So it was kind of an amazing turnaround, but to me, and we texted a little bit about this, this was very reminiscent of the 2018 masters that Patrick Reed won over Rory McIlroy. So, Reed had a two-shot lead to open the day. And Rory hits the par five second into, he has like four feet for eagle. And if he makes this, he's going to have a one-shot lead. He misses the eagle putt, taps in for birdie, and he's tied with Reed, who makes a tough birdie putt. So basically, it's almost like a two-shot swing because it looked like Rory was going to have a one-shot lead, and instead, they were tied. And Rory, I don't think, ever recovered from that. And I think it was the same thing with Brooks. If Brooks made that short birdie putt on Tuesday, he would have had a three-shot lead. And I think if you make putts, it feeds into the rest of your game. You get confidence. Maybe you hit one drive into the fairway. You have a fairway finder, and then it kind of snowballs. And for Brooks, it went the other way. 
Didn't make the birdie on two. Didn't make a birdie on eight. Left it Didn't make a birdie on 13. Yeah. And so he got into a position where he feel like he really, really had to press. And it was really kind of difficult to watch. I found myself feeling bad for Brooks Kepka, which was not I a position no, I thought I, I, I was going to be. You did it at all. Why not? <laughs> no, I, I don't. Uh, he's not my favorite player for sure. Sure. Uh, I, I, I don't like this him analogy either. and you may not like this analogy, but I feel right. like if you were to be in an airport and you drop your passport and Brooks Kepka is watching you. He probably wouldn't say anything and then get to the line and then watch you struggle getting through customs just for fun. Like, <laughs> I think he's that so kind he, of guy. It, <laughs> he wouldn't do anything. He just would watch sure. back and watch and sure. be like, oh, that, you know, that guy's trying to figure it out kind of thing. But I'm like, yeah. I just don't like him. And the, I don't know if the, the Netflix thing helped that case at all. No, no. Just kind of came across of like, wow, you really don't have a lot of traits that I would say I admire. I would say I love the fact that he's a, a hardcore competitor but to an advantage of like i I would be curious to know how much he's liked on tour (laughs) yeah and also i just have to say this kind of i've ever said on this podcast can we all chill out about brooks's arms and the size of his arms this guy is not in good shape okay he's not he has big arms but he's the kind of weird guy who just sits in his hotel room with 25 pound dumbbells and doesn't actually work out that's not working out yeah he looks (laughs) he looks really really weird he's got a tummy like he's this guy is not in good shape he just has big arms okay enough people pe- people talk about it way and too he, much and he got beat by dad bod John he got I. beat by dad bob don't <laughs> sleep on rom's butt rom's got a big butt that's where he generates a lot of his power I it's, think. All, it's all the ground now right it's all pushing off the ground so that's, that's, the... <laughs> that's right ask scotty about that one more thing on brooks he did admit this week in one of his press conferences that someone asked him about the decision to leave for live and they said if you were playing like this i think it was after thursday he shot the 65 if you were playing like this would your decision to go to live be more difficult and he said you know what honestly i think it would have been more difficult to make the decision to go to live if i was playing this well at the time but ultimately i'm happy with my decision to go to live which i think is probably an honest answer because if there's any golfer that's wired to play exhibitions every week but four weeks and then show up and care when it's major championship time it's brooks kepka i don't know if a lot of these guys are going to be wired that way now liv had a pretty good week with reed and phil finishing in the top 10 we'll talk about phil in a second but i think brooks is uniquely wired to um, give a shit four weeks a year and then play in exhibitions and collect money and he can turn it on and gear himself up for the majors i don't know if the other guys can do that and he has the advantage of getting exemptions into all of them based on his performance you think Liv's leaving those guys a little too comfortable, too, because they don't have to grind it out in the last day. They're playing 54. They're not playing the, you know, the master's length of a tournament. So I wonder if that has some of it to do with it. I mean, those guys are all amazing ball strikers, but are they getting a little bit soft with their competition of team games and stuff that way? Yeah, I mean, Brooks almost played a full live tournament just today, for God's sake. So, yeah, not <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly what his body is used to at this point. But, okay, I mean, to, to to put a button on Brooks, do you think he's happy with this week or disappointed? Disappointed. Absolutely has to be disappointed just because it's from that much of a lead. Um, sure. You know, it's it basically lost it, and he got chased down and passed, and that's a super tough spot to gain. So it's like you're just making mistakes. He didn't – he some of the holes he made – you know, pretty large ones at the driver, but he tried to scramble. It's just, yeah, it fizzled out. And I don't, I don't know about the weather side of that. If he, if it would have done him any good to be in the nastiness of that, 
Um, he maybe got a little too too much downtime from like, am I starting? Am I not? Am I starting? Right. And then that's always tough for a rhythm for any of those guys. But I just think he just got outplayed, honestly, more than else. So I think so too. I mean, look, Brooks was twelve under through thirty six. John Rom won the Masters at twelve under. Congratulations, John Rom. Congratulations, John Rom. Um, a very worthy Masters champion. We've had a, quite a run of thoroughbreds as Masters champions. You know, working in reverse chronological order, you have Rom, Scotty, Hideki, DJ, twenty nineteen. It was Reed in eighteen, Sergio in seventeen. 2019 was a big one. Oh, you remember 2019? I'm an idiot. Tiger Woods. Yeah, I was waiting for you to catch that. I was like, wait you're, a minute. Roby, you're the guy watching me drop my passport and you're not picking it up for me. I was saying how you're going to get – I don't know if that was dramatic pause or not. For I, No, I, I forgot Tiger Woods won the Masters straight. I invite you on this podcast. I'm sorry. Unbelievable. I, I thought you were setting up something there. I kind of left it no. hanging. So. No. <laughs> I, I appreciate you giving me that much credit, but I'm, I'm under the weather. I'm basically just Sudafed is powering me through this podcast right <laughs> Nice. Now. I got uh, Arnold Palmer's are pad, padding me through this one, too. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Uh, you know what? I should do a sponsor. Hey, rate and review the podcast. Please leave us a review. Thank you so much to the person who is um, leaving a review with the old promotion that we have of how many cuts Tiger Woods is going to make in 2023. Uh, please leave a review with either how many cuts Tiger Woods is going to make in 2023. He's up to two. Or how many greens in regulation Nick is going to hit combined in the months of March and April. <laughs> Romy, I assume you love this promotion that we have. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> How many times I is did... Nick going to play? Is there is there an option? To know well, that? see, that's the difficult part is okay. you have to sort of work that out. I think he's somewhere around 12 right now uh, through through March and early April. And look, I watched him go to Crystal Lake and he made a beautiful birdie on the number one handicap hole. That happens. Wow. It happens. Now, how many greens did he hit that round? That's none of my business. That's not for <laughs> me to share. But if you think you know how many greens regulation Nick is going to hit in March and April combined, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to be entered to win a box of Piper golf balls Romy do you want to move on to Phil or Sam Bennett next uh let's do Sam Bennett let's do Sam Bennett so the U.S. amateur champ goes 68-68 to start backed up a little bit on the weekend finishes T-17 Sam Bennett the first amateur to finish in the top 20 at the Masters since 2005 Pacific Northwest legend Ryan Moore did that McCormick Woods very difficult course out in that side of Washington. All right, Sam Bennett. Lots of chatter about an amateur and will they win a major championship after this performance? It's happened before, hasn't happened in 90 years because amateurs are so talented now. I'm curious to get your opinion about this, Roby. Um, I think that it, the, the majors and stuff are too hard of a tournament to get used to, especially like a venue like the Masters. I mean, they just don't have the experience. May have a great swing, may have the great up and down, but they need to have the experience to see, you know, the, the golf course. And I think from from Sam Bennett being like Texas A&M, um, you know, getting his exemption by winning the amateur. It's just it's amazing to see even what he did for even being in one of the last groups. Just that that's even impressive. He's the only guy that made a cut. So out of all the amateurs, which is pretty impressive. Um, but I don't know if you saw this also, like he had to go to uh one of the sporting goods shops to get warmer weather after, after one of the, so he's like, I got to go to, I think he said he had to go to Dick's sporting goods to go get some more warmer weather. Cause he had to, um, you know, get prepared for the, for the Saturday, Sunday. So he wasn't Wait, ready like, for that. Like he, he didn't have enough gear. 
Yeah, he had to buy rain gear. Like he had to buy some wet, warmer stuff, and he even like put that online. So I thought that oh was hilarious. Oh my gosh! I, so I'm not it, saying he's that's unprepared, but it was just more. Sure. Like no one was expecting what the weather was going to do. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, he, he probably wasn't expecting to be playing long enough to where he needed to worry <laughs> yeah. about that stuff. Exactly. And I mean, give give him so much credit. He's playing in the highest pressure situation possible. He's playing with a four time major champion and one of the three best players in the world. And he hung in there. I mean, it's not like the kid shot 84, 86 on the weekend. Like he played with Colin Morikawa today and lost to him by two. Like, okay, he yeah, backed up impressive. on the weekend. But to, to stay in the top 20, I mean, if you look at the leaderboard, it is like the best golfers in the world. Like, and the best of the best golfers in the world. For him to hang in there is just so incredible. In terms of an amateur winning a major, I think the premises is that these kids are so much more prepared, all these junior golf tournaments. But I think that the level of professional and their ability has risen along with the level of the amateur, like the skill level and the professional and the skill level and the amateur are concurrent with each other. I don't necessarily think that the amateur and the pro gap has shrunk any. I think it's basically stayed the same. And you make the really good point too, Romy. It's not like the, the Phil Mickelson's and Tiger Woods where they win the U.S. Amateur three years in a row and they play the Masters three years in a row as an amateur, they play the U.S. Open three years in a row as an amateur, that doesn't really happen anymore. If you win a national title and you win the U.S. Amateur, you're probably going to turn pro. There's just way too much money not yeah, to do exactly. that at this point. And you just don't have the reps. You, you just don't have the reps. Look at John Rahm. They, they, they made a really good point in the broadcast. John Rahm was the best amateur player in the world for, I think they said 60 weeks. And he never played the masters as an amateur just because he didn't get the specific exemption that he needed. If he got, a, if his U S amateur opponent shoots 62 against him in a quarterfinal, you don't get to play in the masters. It's not like he's not deserving, but things have to bounce your way. Yeah, I think, and also I think he came onto the scene kind of like the Will Zalatoris level did. Like he, I, very right. much similar, did really well in the Masters, and then see kind of what happens with him. Um, I mean, next, next, what is it? This next week, he's going to be on his own bag in a tournament. He's carrying his own bag in a college tournament. So this is a different experience, right? But he did amazing, and I more should, like huge shout out to him and his team. So yeah, and and, and it's great also just for I don't know, sort of the 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 everyday golfer that. This isn't a kid who hits at 330. He doesn't have that insane ball speed. He's got a swing. He's never gone to a swing coach. He figured it out himself. He hits it. I mean, he still hits it like 290, 300. So it's not like he's a you know a short hitter. It's <laughs> all hope. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know what? This kid figured out himself. He went out there. He made some birdies next to Brooks Kepka, and he finished top 20 in the Masters. It, it, it is such a bummer. He was so close to getting its top 12 in ties get into next year's event. And he was like two shots out of doing that, which is a little bit of a bummer, but it's so tough to be disappointed with a week like this. If you're an amateur going into it, especially the weather. I mean, all that stuff too. It's just, it's impressive. It is it's very, very cool. Very, very it's cool. a bummer for him to have a bogey in the last hole. I agree, but it's same time. Like he's the only amateur that made a cut. So yeah, for him to even be considered on anything is amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Um, all right. Phil Mickelson shot 65 and finished tied for second in this tournament, Romy. What the Where hell? Where did he come from? What? That's what I want to know. I was a sleeping high flyer on Phil. Indeed. <laughs> like, what was his last round? 65 or something? He, he shot, shot 31 on nine holes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so here's what he's did today. I mean, the, crazy. 
the the platitudes are amazing. So we shoot 65. This ties his best round ever at the Masters. It's the oldest top five finish in Masters history. It's the oldest runner-up finish in a major since a 59-year-old Tom Watson finished second at the 2009 British Open. And it's the best finish by anyone over 50 in Masters history. I mean, tied for second, yet to finish solo second and win to do better than that. But, crazy. I mean, Phil, <laughs> he, he was pouring it in. It's not like he, you know birdied the par fives and had a nice run. He shot 65. He birdied 17 and 18. <laughs> he to was finish hitting 300-yard drives, 298. I think I saw a yes. couple of them. And I'm like, like, how old is Phil again? Like, Skinny Phil lives. Yeah. It's all the calves, right? That's what he it's, says. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of amazing. And it just made me think it's fun. And J- Jim Nance had a, had a great line. I don't know if you caught it, but – I think Phil birdied 17 and he had a big smile on his face. And Jim Nance just said, that's the first big smile we've seen from Phil in a while. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, you know what? This guy, he was the first one over the fence in terms of live and criticizing the PGA tour and the suspensions and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I get it. I was a big Phil fan growing up. It was just great to see Phil Mickelson play a great round of golf. It's just great to see him play a great round of golf. um, And, and, and have this really weird, unexpected moment. I mean, if Rom did collapse, Phil was right there waiting for him in a playoff. Like, it would have been insane if that happened. That was, still that's a, a good place to be at minus eight and, and sitting in the clubhouse having a pimento cheese and, you know, just hanging out. But, yeah, it's ASU did pretty good this year. I mean, we had John Rom and Phil Mickelson. So, both ASU guys, it's two out of the top four. Did Brooks go to Arizona? No, like Brooks, I don't think he did. I know John did, and then Phil did. I'm googling immediately. This is how podcasts work. Well, so I know Phil's brother, ah, actually, Florida was a State. Coach. Ah, okay. that's 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 rookie stuff. That's the Sudafed. Of course, he went to Florida State. That <laughs> that that's definitely a Florida State. Yeah, guy. he's but definitely yeah. a Florida Florida college guy. Right? Yeah, for sure. Sounds about but no, right. You make the really good point because Tim Mickelson was, I think, Rom's agent, and then I when Phil fired yeah. Bones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was coach, and then it went to agent, and then Phil and Bones broke up, and then Tim Mickelson's on Phil's bag now. But yeah, I mean, it's a really like, at least it was a very tight relationship. I assume that they still talk, for God's sakes. Yeah, I, I know uh, Rom was, like, Phil kind of took Rom under his wing when he first started out, and kind of, especially being the alma mater and stuff that way. So I know there's a lot of relationship there. Definitely separate, separate opinions with the Lib and PJ, but yeah, they had a good week, though. That was, that was, that was the most... Out of all the surprising things, what do you, what week was more surprising to you, Sam Bennett or Phil Mickelson? I got to go Phil Mickelson. Phil, I just wasn't expecting anything no. like that. Um, I, I think not knowing anything about Sam Bennett coming into the tournament, really, except for the fact he's an amateur, you're like, okay, another amateur is going to be like plus seven and then be out for the day and like, sure. thanks for showing up, right? But him to be in the, the, the groups like that, that was the most probably like from the top five things that happened in this tournament, uh, that's right up there with it. Um, it was yeah. um, Phil's score. I would actually also say, like, let's see, who's the? Can't think of the like couples making the cut. Yeah, that was huge. Couples That's making one the, of the cut. top five in there, and then for sure, course, Tiger making the cut, then having a withdraw, which is a huge bummer. Just that was painful to watch. That was him. that was tough. Well, I mean, I had I had some things I wanted to rip through, but you got a couple of them already. Oh, so we had no, no, no. <laughs> It's beautiful transition. You're 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 stealing Nick's job already. So yeah, so <laughs> Freddie was 62 and change, the oldest ever to make the cut. 
Tiger makes the cut, had to withdraw this morning. I was honestly surprised he made it through yesterday. Yeah, it, was pain, it was painful for him to watch, especially since he's, he changed his swing. So he's doing a lot more upper body. He can't right. push into a wet ground. And when he starts getting those weird up and down lies, feet above him, below him, it's just there's a couple swings where you just he just looked like his legs were stiff and just upper body. And it's just looked painful. And you don't want to see you don't want to see that. And it's too too bad the weather didn't hold better. I think he would have been probably at least finishing. But with the, now, the one conditions thing, like that, it was just tough. Oh, yeah, it was just too much. But the one thing with Tiger that gave me hope is in his, I don't know if you saw this, his pre-Masters press conference, they asked him about the Champions Tour, and he's like, yeah, a few more years, I'll get my buggy, and I'll be out there with Freddie. So that made me really excited. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. Made, that, that, can you imagine, like, they're going to have the record-setting you know, Champions Tour because Tiger's on it. It's like, Dude. oh, record attendance. You know, like you can go look at the legend. Maybe he maybe he'll be more laid back and sign more hats and stuff. But. That's the thing. Like if Tiger really buys into the Champions Tour, then that becomes a whole different beast. Like the Colaguard Classic, they start putting that on NBC now. That's no longer buried on tape delay in the Golf Channel. That's like primetime viewing. Tiger in his fifties, people still are really going to care about that. So that was the little that was a little carrot he dangled for us. And That's Tiger, awesome. I thank you for doing that. Yeah, I bit it. Um, the other one, Rory, Rory pre-tournament was 10 to one to miss the cut. He was seven and a half to one to win. I managed to bet on Rory to miss the cut. And then in a fever dream of Sudafed, don't congratulate me yet. In a fever dream of Sudafed, <laughs> I bet on Brooks minus one ten with a four shot lead. I put all my Rory winnings into that last night. I forgot that I did it. <laughs> I looked, I you looked, forgot. and I was like, I forgot that I did it. And then I woke up today, and I was like, Oh no, did I do that, or did I dream it? And then I saw that I did it, and then it evaporated quickly. So I won nothing off of that. But the important thing is, um, Rory, Rory. I mean, my God, dude. You, you coyote ugly that bet, right? Woke up next to it and be like, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> I, yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. But, dude, Rory misses the cut. What do we do with him with the Masters? What, what, what are we supposed to do with this? <laughs> um, He's just not, I don't know, like, I'm not Rory. He's not, just not consistent. I'm not, he bombs the ball, like, but he just, he doesn't get himself in those tight spots. I think... Justin Thomas is probably the most surprising one to miss the cut, to be honest, out of anybody. But really, I thought so. Just the way his short game is around that course, um, his form has been yeah. really weird, man. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's working out with Bones. I mean, he won the PGA last year basically on the strength of one good round. I mean, it was an epic round, but yeah. like, I just don't know how much the Bones and him thing are, are, are working out right now. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I was probably equally surprised by both those because JT. I mean, he's such a he's such a talent like it's and and that course suits his game so well it's kind of amazing he hasn't like seriously contended there ever um but i mean these are the kind of guys that if one of them won the pga championship next month you would say oh of course they did because they're just those elite of a players it's there's it's the top 20 almost every time right it's sure every, it's like okay you got the xander's in well not xander but like Sheffley's in there like struggle with the putter it just it's it's tough to really say who's weak is it next week because Whatever little tweak they actually had to fix, right. they got on the got on the range and fixed that. Oh, that little transition, put it on video, and then they're good to go. So I well, I never know half the time with who's going to be I mean, next. I was I was giving Nick shit on our Masters preview for picking Rom because he had such a bad month leading up to the Masters, and then once you see Rom, 
on the back nine on Sunday, the Masters, you're like, well, this is the best player in the world. And that's just how it kind of works. It just sort of rotates. Whoever is, shows whoever up. is on yeah. in that moment, like if Max Homa goes to LA Country Club and he does the thing everyone expects him to do, which is play well on the course that he has this good history on, and he execute and he does his thing, everyone's like, well, of course, Max Homa is one of the best players in the world. Of course he does that. JT and Rory, one of these guys could win a big tournament very soon and we would not be surprised. It's it's a putting contest. Who feels good? And it's as we saw with Brooks and Rom today, it's such a thing of confidence where you lose it as quickly as you get it. It can take one swing, one thing to unravel somebody completely, even at the top level of the game. It's whoever hit the most fairways today. That's it's it's always how it is. It's like you bomb the ball, that's great, but if you're not hitting a fairway and giving yourself that approach shot in the right angle. Um, you know, hit the fairway on the left side, so you got trees in the way. It's just that's the tough part of who's the most controlled and who can keep their just even keel the whole time. So it's, I think for John's side, he at least he had somebody to chase, right? So chasing, right? Kepka. So he's like, you know what? I got to dial this in. And I think with him being in the lead, would he just have taken off? I don't know. I don't know the same thing on that side, but he just dials it in. It's just impressive. All those guys are crazy impressive. They are. I wouldn't. I would not have done well in that weather. There's no way. Like we've played in some pretty nasty stuff in in the Pacific Romy. Northwest. I mean, they were. I mean, I'm not the hitting clubs. the ball 290 when I like errant shots and tank it off the side of the club faces. Just going. <laughs> well, speaking left of Justin slipping. Thomas, they said they said Justin Thomas hit a tee ball at 18, 240 yards because the conditions were so bad. <laughs> yeah. Think of how far I'm hitting that drive 150 yards that if Justin Thomas yeah, is no hitting kidding. it at 200. I mean, honestly, it's like it is it is amazing they did it in those conditions. Um, I, I, I want to close up by saying this. Um, Gary Player has political reasons for doing this, but he said that the Masters is the fourth best major. I don't know if you're aware, but his son has been banned for the Masters because last year. OK, so last year oh. during the opening tee shot, the ceremonial tee shot, uh, Lee Elder was there. He was asked to participate when he was no longer able physically to actually swing a golf club, but they were trying to correct a wrong. They did it too late. Typical for Augusta, but Lee Elder was there present at the ceremony with Tom Watson and Jack Nicholson, and Gary player. So taking a step in the right direction, Gary player's son was there, you know, dressed as a caddy. Cause you have a caddy. It's part of the pomp and circumstance of it all. He stood behind Lee Elder and he held up a brand that his dad is associated with for the photos. Ooh. So the photos of Lee Elder, when you're trying to capture this living legend, like in this incredible moment, he's using it to pump some brand that his dad is a part of. The master saw it. I, I, I can't remember what it was. It, it was some knockoff something. But so Gary Player's son is 86th forever. And so when Gary Player this year was asked to rank the majors, he ranked the masters four out of the four majors, which I think is ridiculous. I think it's number one. Yeah, well, he's, why. he's got he's got definitely some anger. That's well, exactly. You, you, yeah. Masters is one. I'm sorry. It, it's, it's it's totally number one. Go 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 ahead and explain why you think it is. Well, it's just the history of that. I mean, it's the the hush hush about anybody that even plays on that golf course can't talk about their round, which is impressive. I asked you this question earlier. I'm like, are all the majors allowed to have cameras? Because I you watch the, all the footage too. Is no one has a camera out? If For they sure. all have to put stickers on it and stuff that way. But it's I just, gave Romy a dick a, answer, by the way. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so it's uh, it's all 
also the only time you actually get to see them do any kind of venue like the par three where they actually get the family right. out there and get them enjoy that of like hey let's go get the get everybody involved and see the personality yes. of the players everything else is just kind of you know a little more stuffy the masters has that that nostalgia aspect of it too and it's just who doesn't want to play there like that's that you know it's like I, we had that question. It's like, would you rather play Pebble on a beautiful day or Masters when it was rainy and nasty? I'd be like, I'm going to Augusta and I'll be like hand warmers in my pocket, earmuffs on there, trying to, you know, Nick, what did Nick say? I remember what he said. Nick exactly. said, Nick said Augusta because he would make some sort of improbable shot and he, then he could brag about it the rest of his life. Yeah, exactly. He gets the one birdie on a hole that's his I no to- business making. I have to switch my answer to the Masters on that question. Originally, okay. I said Pebble, but the reason I said that is because I was playing early yesterday morning and I had no sleep, and I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> of course it's the, the Pebble. But no, it's it's the Masters because so few people get to experience it. It's you know we 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 had a podcast a, a couple weeks ago where I talked to a writer who talked about how hard it is to get in the Masters lottery, and even just getting on the grounds themselves is difficult. It's not like a U.S. Open where if I want to go to the U.S. Open this year, I just buy a ticket and show up. Can't do that at the Masters. It's a special thing. It's different. The exclusivity is part of the appeal. I think the other part of it, Rome, that I like so much is today we had the makings of a two horse race, and it turned out to be ultimately in the end. But the Masters can lull you in and grab you because no no matter what the, the leaders are doing early in the round, it's kind of a slow start. There aren't a ton of birdie holes early. You have the par five second. You have the third short par four. But when you get to the back nine, oh, baby, you can rip off a bunch of birdies. And you see Mickelson going nuts. And you see Spieth so going nuts. And all the excitement is coming. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. But you have these guys who can get within two, three shots of the lead, post a score, and then give the leader something to think about. Infrequently, does that actually change the outcome? It's not common that someone goes out, fires a crazy number, sits in the clubhouse, and those guys win. But it provides something to have a full day of excitement just because of the course layout is set up in such a way. Look at 16. 16 is, if you put it in a good spot, we're probably going to make an ace here. Or if you hook it, you can go in the water. That's a par three. A par three shouldn't be that exciting unless it's 17 at Sawgrass. Then you have the two par fives on the back. There's just so much going on late in that round to drive excitement that just doesn't exist in other courses. And it has the unique advantage of it being in the same venue every single year. So we could sit here and we could go through every single hole and tell you where they are and where you have to hit the shot and the part of the green and where the Sunday pin is. And you're right. It becomes nostalgia because there's so many of these memories that you build up over the years. There's just nothing like it in golf and maybe sports too. That was beautiful, dude. Yeah. That's a, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's that golf course is just so beautiful. They have all the agricultural stuff broken down. They have so many yeah. different flowers and everything else that way. And it's just the cult following of the pimento cheese and all the other, you know, what is it? The, uh, the peach ice cream sandwich. Like, of course, yeah. everybody wants to try those. And of then even the, even the cool part of uh, what is what now everybody's question is what's John Rom going to serve for the dinner? You know, oh, yeah. it's even that. So I'm spicy. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to say paella or something, but you know, ooh, uh, that would be fun. He's got to have some kind of side dish of that, right? Some uh, saffron rice or something like that. 
<laughs> the so. chef's coming out. All right, Romy, you've been so generous with, with your time. Thank you for coming. Um, please go to Piper.Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout. Romy, how's the game right now? Are you going to win the Corner Club Open? Um, uh, Corner Club, maybe. I'm making another run at the club championship, though. For my, Oh, there for you my go. Yeah, that a baby. It's, uh, I want to try to repeat. Well, not repeat. I guess, yeah, we'll get repeating, but not a... Uh, I did that in 2021. So we'll see how this goes. I've only got nine holes under my belt this year, though, so far. The weather's been okay. cold, and I got the little one. So, you know, I love that baby to death, but she better not make my handicap go up. That's all I say. Well, let's make <laughs> sure, Romy, let's make sure we're posting all the scores, okay? The good ones all and the bad yeah. ones. I'm doing all nine holes, all everything. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be accused of being a sandbagger, but my, my, my <laughs> handicap has ballooned. I'm almost I'm almost sheepish to say it on this, on this podcast right Are now. Are you right in time for you can submit your entry fee to the corner club? Okay. <laughs> what fly are you guys in, right? Oh my god. Well, we're we're not going to be in the gold, that's for sure. But okay. we are going to sign up early enough cuz I want to play with you and Dr. Martinick, okay? The four of us have to play together in the first round cuz you guys might get stuck with Voorhees and Gilmore again and we can't have that. I don't even know if they're in yet. I can never get a hold of where he's. So. They have nothing better to do. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna, Gilmore. He's got new gear, though. I guess Vori's got new gear, though. So I hope he's rocking he's a, PXGs. He's, he is, actually. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's 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 the rich bro golf club for sure. Yeah, I can't exactly. wait to make fun of him. I'm going to make him dumb bets. It's going to be a blast. Romy, thank you so much for being here. The Masters was great. Nick will be back next week. We have some exciting stuff in the weeks to come. Congrats to John Rom. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.